Good evening, Hampton Roads. Welcome to another edition of Dollars and Common Sense, your local source for objective, unbiased financial advice. I'm certified financial planner Kevin Zivna. Alongside me, as usual, CFP, Allison Debril. Together, we come to you live every second and fourth Tuesday of the month to dialogue with you, take your calls. If you have a question or comment relating to your personal financial situation, then this is your forum to discuss. We'd love to hear from you. All we need is your first name, city you're calling from, and no matter what Alice and I are talking about, if it's important to you, then it's important to us. We'll get you right on air. 627-7979. That's 627-7979. Wealthway Financial Advisors is the proud sponsor of Dollars and Common Sense. We are an independent registered investment advisor, which means we're legally held to a fiduciary standard to put our clients' interests ahead of our own in any business dealing, and that's the way it should be when you work with a financial advisor. As the premier financial planning firm in Hampton Roads, we integrate expert investment management with customized ongoing financial planning advice to help our clients answer life's big financial questions and enhance their quality of life. So by design, we can't work with everyone. We work with a relatively small group of high net worth individuals, but that's one of the reasons we feel so strongly about coming here every second and fourth Tuesday at 6 p.m. to dialogue with you, take your calls, If you have a question or comment relating to your personal financial situation, then we'd love to hear from you. Help as many people in the Hampton Roads listening area as you can achieve your measure of financial success because it is a core belief at Wealthway Advisors that the overwhelming majority of people in this country have the opportunity for financial security if they choose it as a choice because it takes some time, it takes some effort, and it takes some knowledge. We are here to help. You take that first step, though. Pick up the phone. Give us a call, 627-7979. Whether you want to talk about anything having to do with the investment markets, the economy, insurance products like life insurance, health insurance, property casualty, taxes, tax planning, tax reduction strategies, retirement planning, retirement plans, 401Ks, 43Bs, TSP, 457s, uh, mortgage options, so security claiming strategies, or estate planning, wills and trusts. All that and more falls under the umbrella of personal finance. We're here to discuss 627-7979. Good evening, Allison. Good evening. I thought you were going to welcome me to Financial Planning After Dark or it something. Is. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, gosh. Oh, uh, yeah. That's right. <laughs> and I was going to say, I did not prepare for the right show tonight, yeah. obviously. Yeah, we're going to do some financial planning <laughs> after dark. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about, baby. Isn't that right? Yeah. We're going to talk about taxes. Uh-huh. Yeah. And a little bit of retire- health care. A little bit of retirement planning. <laughs> Beneficiary and- designations. Oh, yeah. That's, that's what I'm talking about right there. Yeah. So you pour yourself a glass of wine. That's right. Slip down into that bubble bath right there, girl. Yeah, we're going to get freaky. Okay. Think, gonna, I think we're going to move on. We're going to get freaky with the financial planning after dark. All right. <laughs> well, that's what happens when the when the clocks change. No, <laughs> it now, is true. Oh, it's dark outside. but true. All right. Well, but, that, hey, we enjoyed some pretty nice sunsets 
when yeah. when right. when the sun sets early. Well, we had fun with financial planning after dark. All right, but let's. Uh, I guess we got to get serious. Yes, yes, you know me. Let's get serious. Mm. So we do want to talk about retirement planning. It might not be quite that uh, sexy, but <laughs> we want to talk about some common mistakes or common pitfalls that everyone should be aware of or on the lookout for when planning for retirement, when making the transition to retirement and along the way in retirement. So there are many things that could um, derail your plan. Things can go awry. Mistakes can be made. It can cost you tens of thousands of hundreds of thousands of dollars along the way. And we want to try to head some of those off because if you do your planning right, you can avoid many of these pitfalls that we're going to talk about. And your retirement can be the walk in the park that you've dreamed of. Yeah, some of these are the some of the more common mistakes that we hear about, either on the radio show or when we first meet with a client, some of the situations that they uh, get themselves in or... Uh misconceptions that they also have. So we'll help try to straighten some of the big ones out and uh, you file those away and then hopefully uh, put yourself on a better path to a more secure retirement. And these are by no means exclusive. There are many pitfalls, but we'll try to point out a few of them that you can at least be aware of and be on the lookout for. And the first one we want to talk about is deferring taxes. So I know most people... Uh, don't enjoy paying for taxes, paying their taxes. Um, Many people want to defer them as much as possible. And the biggest way to defer taxes while you're working and saving is contributing to pre-tax retirement plans. So that's your traditional IRA or your 401k. If you put pre-tax money in, then you're getting a, a decent tax deduction on your current income. But what many people don't realize is that in retirement, when you go to take the money out of your retirement account, it is taxable income. So you didn't. hopefully you didn't think Uncle Sam was just giving you a free pass indefinitely. The IRS is definitely going to come after their tax money, and it will be taxed as ordinary income when it comes out of your IRA or 401k. Yeah, so as opposed to a regular taxable bank account or brokerage account where interest, dividends, capital gains are taxed in that account in the year that they are accrued, um, that activity typically occurs in an IRA, a tax-sheltered account, um, but it is deferred into the future. The difference of that brokerage account that's not in that tax-protected wrapper is that some of those activities have lower tax treatment and or if you use the right investment vehicles, you can really minimize the amount of interest, dividends, and capital gains that uh, are even subject to taxation in a brokerage account. All of that activity when it's in an IRA, when it comes out, is taxed as ordinary income. So you do get a short-term benefit. And for most people, that's typically the right thing to do. 
but eventually, if you get more sophisticated, if your dollars get higher, if the, the dollar amounts in these accounts get higher, then know that everything that comes out of your traditional IRA or your 401k account or your TSP or your 457 is all going to come out as ordinary income. So you do uh, trade off some of the lower taxation of a brokerage account for the advantage of the tax deduction today, but eventually you do pay for it later. So it's something to be monitored, managed, and analyzed as you go along if you want to maximize your overall financial situation. Yeah, so big picture, it's not just about deferring as much of your tax bill as possible, which most CPAs, I think that is their their focus, is how do you defer as much income or taxes in the current tax year as possible. But when you look at the big picture, really to have flexibility and to be able to manage your tax bracket properly in retirement, you need to build different buckets. So it's beneficial, of course, to have some of that pre-tax savings because you do benefit from years and years of deferred taxes on the growth. But it is just as important to be building that bucket you were just talking about, Kevin, the brokerage account that is, yes, subject to taxes on an ongoing basis, but it's subject to the lower capital gains tax rates. Another bucket that will give you tax diversification and more options in retirement is Roth. Roth IRAs or Roth 401ks are set up so that you don't take a tax deduction when you make the contribution. So you contribute after-tax dollars. But the account then grows tax-free and if used in retirement after you meet certain requirements, the the money, the growth comes out tax-free in retirement. So if you were building these three different buckets, you would have a pre-tax bucket, a non-qualified or a capital gains tax bucket, and then your Roth bucket could be your tax-free bucket. And that's how to achieve true tax diversification in retirement. Yeah, so that's exactly what I was going to say. So what we're going for here is tax diversification. If you want to maximize your overall uh, net worth, don't put all your eggs in one tax bucket, typically. Take advantage of the three different types of buckets that you have, the traditional, the 401k, the company-sponsored retirement plan, uh, the Roth IRA or the Roth 401k, and a uh, regular old, what we would call a a brokerage account. you got those three different buckets. Then when it comes time, when you get into the withdrawal phase, the distribution phase, when when it's time then for your nest egg to pay you back, then you have three different buckets from which to pull, and then you can manage your tax bracket. So if you, you know, when, if tax brackets were to go up dramatically, that's the time to pull then from the Roth bucket. Uh, if they've kind of maintained uh, the uh, middle of the road, then you can maybe take from the brokerage account, pay a little bit of capital gains tax along the way. And if they happen to be the lowest you've ever seen in your lifetime, then maybe that's time to draw from the traditional type of IRA or 401k. And by by being able, by having those three different buckets, you can manage your tax bracket and withdraw money as tax efficiently as possible and keep more money in your pocket and less out of Uncle Sam's. 
So, of course, it depends on your current tax situation, how you might decide to contribute to your 401k, whether you're going to do pre-tax or post-tax. But I was really surprised to, when I pulled up some statistics, to learn that not many people are taking advantage of that Roth option. Um, Out of Really, this is low, too. Only 23% of taxpayers have a traditional IRA. I guess that could be because many people just use their employer-sponsored plan. Yeah. Yeah. So that may be kind of skewed. But only 10% have a Roth IRA. So even less people take Mm -hmm. advantage of a Roth IRA. A lot of companies don't even have that option. So Mm -hmm. that's a handicap. Plus, it's a newer type of IRA uh, that's only been introduced in the last, uh, I want to say like 15, 10, I was or, 15, say 20. <laughs> 10 or 15 years. Very um, new. Has it been? That? Well, in the, I know. In in the, the, course, in the course of human history, that yeah. is relatively recent. It takes a long time for some of these things to gain traction. Yeah. So oftentimes, you know, it's, de- it's determining, well, should I take my tax break now or should I expect to take my tax break in retirement? Well, to really determine that, you'd have to know a couple of unknowables. You'd have to know what your tax bracket is going to be in retirement, which you can probably get a general sense of, but you'd also have to know future tax law, which no one knows at this no, point. No. So there there are some unknowns. Um, And there are some options if you find yourself where you have significant or the majority of your nest egg, if it's in pre-tax buckets, so if it's in a pre-tax IRA or pre-tax 401k, you can start converting funds to Roth. So you can take it out now, pay the tax on it, and get it in the Roth bucket so that it grows tax-free. That's a little more of a sophisticated strategy and some and, and deserve some extensive thought and and planning to determine whether that would actually benefit you long term or not. All right, we're going to step aside, take a quick break here with financial planning after dark. We're going to be right back after these messages. If you got a question or comment relating to your financial planning situation, yeah, baby. Get it in. 627-7979. She's Allison. I'm Kevin. You're listening to Dollars of Common Sense on AM 790 WNIS. It doesn't seem to me like it's enough. back to Dollars and Common Sense, your local source for objective, unbiased financial advice. Alongside certified financial planner Allison DeBrill, I'm CFP Kevin Zivna. We're from Wealthway Financial Advisors, the premier financial planning firm in Hampton Roads, where we integrate expert investment management with customized ongoing financial planning advice to help our clients answer life's big financial questions and enhance their quality of life. For more information about us, look us up online at Wealthway Advisors. Com. All right. Tonight, we're talking about some uh, retirement mistakes to avoid. And if you want to jump in on this conversation or you have a question, comment relating to anything having to do with your personal financial situation, we'd love to hear from you. 627-7979. Right now, we're going to go out to Chesapeake and speak with Eugene. Good evening, Eugene. You're on Dollars and Common Sense. Good evening. Thanks for taking my call. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Yes. Uh, I did a direct rollover of my... 
403B to my brokerage account. I have an IRA in the brokerage, so I just rolled it over uh, to the brokerage account uh, IRA. And I'm thinking that I probably should have waited until after the new year. And why I didn't consider this uh, beforehand, uh, just a slip, I guess. And that is I probably gave up some capital gains that typically go to mutual funds. It's in a mutual fund, usually reported uh, or given uh, at the end of the uh, calendar year. So I'm kind of kicking myself because I should have waited maybe till January because um, next month uh, the 403B would have garnered some capital gains. I got an S&P 500 index fund. So I think I gave up some capital gains, and I'd just like for you maybe to confirm the possibility of that, and maybe I should have waited, and maybe someone else will from this call. Thank you. All right. Well, thanks for the call, Eugene. No, I mean, I, I don't think you gave up any capital gains uh, necessarily. Uh, first of all, let's clarify. You kind of used uh, IR, rollover into IRA and brokerage account interchangeably. What I'm gathering happened, it went from your 403B directly into an IRA, preserved the tax protection wrapper there, and did not come out of that, and therefore was not subject to taxation. Correct? Are you still there? Okay, yes. So uh, then you're fine in that regard. You didn't pull it out of that tax-protected wrapper, so none of it was subjected to taxation. Now, your comment about the capital gains distributions that come from uh, come from mutual funds uh, primarily. Some come, maybe there might be a little bit in some ETFs, but they typically come when you sell an investment with a uh, at a profit. And the mutual funds themselves are a basket of anywhere between 25 to, say, over 500 stocks. And if they're actively managed mutual funds, then you have a manager there who's behind the scenes, pulling the levers, buying and selling those 25 to 500 individual stocks throughout the course of the year. And then at some point during that year, there are guidelines in place that require the mutual funds to distribute the capital gains that may have been realized throughout the course of the year. And it usually happens towards the end of the year for most funds. Some funds do it quarterly, but uh, most funds wait till the end of the year, do it sometime late November, early December. Some wait until December 31st, and that's a pain. Um, but then they distribute those capital gains. Now, the the reason you didn't lose anything necessarily is because built into the share price of that mutual fund are those unrealized capital gains. And when they get distributed, there's a corresponding offset of the amount that gets distributed and a reduction in the share price. So it's really just a financial accounting transaction that occurs when capital gains distributions, uh, whether they're long-term, they're short-term, um, pent-up dividends in a mutual fund, those you know might get paid out on a monthly basis from many of the stocks, quarterly basis, but only distributed once a year. That's all embedded in that share price of that mutual fund. So when they then get distributed to the shareholder of the fund on that same day or overnight, the amount that you got distributed is the corresponding amount 
that your share price goes down. So it's really a wash at that point in time, and it's a taxable. If you don't have it in a taxable account, a taxable protected account like an IRA, then it becomes taxable at the end of the year. So just know you didn't do anything wrong. Uh, you couldn't have adva- uh, advantage yourself any better uh, in that situation as long as when you, assuming you reinvested whatever cash came over from the 403B into the IRA and you got back in the market, then it was pretty much a, a, a non-event. All right. That's uh, okay. We got a what do we got? We don't have time. No, nah, we don't have time. Mm. Uh, Rick in Newport News, we see you up there. Don't have time to take your call right now. Um, we're going to step aside for the news at the bottom of the hour. But if anybody else has a question or comment relating to their personal financial situation, jump on the phone lines. Give us a call 627 7979. She's Allison. I'm Kevin. You're listening to Dollars and Common Sense on AM 790 W. N I S. To Dollars and Common Sense, your local source for objective, unbiased financial advice. Alongside certified financial planner Allison DeBrill, I'm CFP Kevin Zivna. We're from Wealthway Financial Advisors, the premier financial planning firm in Hampton Roads, where we integrate expert investment management with customized, ongoing financial planning advice to help our clients answer life's big financial questions and enhance their quality of life. For more information about us, you can look us up online at WealthwayAdvisors.com. You can also request an information packet to find out what it's like to work with us or request our free quarterly newsletter at WealthwayAdvisors.com. Just go to the contact page, put your name and address in the dialog box, select the appropriate drop-down menu, and we'll get that information out to you later on this week. And that's all we will use your name and address for is just to send you the information that you request. Uh, all right. For if you have a question or comment relating to your personal financial situation and want to jump in on the conversation here, give us a call on the studio line, 627-7979. We're going to go up to Newport News and speak with Rick, who's been holding patiently. Good evening, Rick. You're on Dollars and Common Sense. Yes, I was wondering if I cash out my IRA for gold or silver, which is a big thing, I guess. But uh, how does that affect the government and the taxes? Do, do they want the taxes on the IRA, or are they going to come after my gold? When you say cash out the IRA, do you mean sell the investments inside the IRA and then yes. purchase gold or silver? So are you talking the physical metal, or are you talking, yes. say, uh, okay, yes, um, so then you're going to withdraw the money out of your IRA and use the money to then purchase the physical gold and silver, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, know that whatever comes out of that IRA, assuming it's a traditional IRA, is going to be subject to ordinary income tax rates. And ordinary income tax rates are those that you pay uh, like on your paycheck or on your Social Security or on any earned income. So they're the highest rates that we pay on our income. Uh, 
So you can do that, but you're gonna you are gonna pay tax on every dollar that comes out of the IRA. Now, one of the things you can do to try to minimize that bite a little bit, I don't know how big it is, don't really need to know, um, you can break it up over two tax years. So you could say take half of it and do it in 2021. And then in the in January of 2022, you could do the other half there. And at least you spread out the dollar amount over two years. And that way you don't go uh, too high up the tax bracket ladder. Does that make sense? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Now, let's talk about why you want to buy physical gold or silver. The Democrats are scaring me to death. That's why. All right. How, how do you think gold or silver, what, is it, what about gold and silver is going to make you feel better? I got it in my hand instead of somebody else trying to access it. Okay. Because right now they're doing mandates on everything, and I don't want them to, uh, you know, get overboard there. Right. Okay. Well, uh, then I'll give you this little uh, general advice. Um, just know that no matter how, how bad it feels, how bad tax law feel, or t- I should say it's not law. There's no tax law yet. There's no been no changes yet. How the tax debate goes in Congress, it typically gets watered down and compromised by the time it actually gets turned into law. And for those people who are concerned about the overprinting of money, which is, uh, I, I know that's a, a big concern for a lot of people. It's a concern for me. That in and of itself does not necessarily lead to an inflationary environment and a devaluation of the dollar. So I would just caution you before you did anything as rash as withdrawing all the money out of your IRA and then buying physical gold and silver, which to my knowledge, can't really be exchanged for Starbucks coffee or milk at Kroger or even a car at the dealership. You know, you still would have to convert that back to dollars at some point. Probably that's an extreme type of decision. I would caution you against it. I understand. Okay. All right, Rick. Well, thanks for the call and good luck to you. We appreciate it. Oh, thank you, sir. All right. Bye-bye. Take care. And, and can I follow up on that? Because I'm sure there are other people that will have a similar question for you, uh, Kevin, on the same topic. Because I've heard that argument for a number of years. Well, I don't know what the value of a dollar and at least gold is worth something, and I hold it in my hand. And mm-hmm. I believe it was Dan who sat across the table and said, how much bread can you buy with that hunk of gold if we're in line for bread? <laughs> and it made me realize, well, that might be completely useless if we come to a spot where the dollar ain't worth anything, so a hunk of rock ain't worth anything. (laughs) There's other commodities that tend to be worth more at those times, and I'm not going to get into those, but what would you say if somebody wanted to have an asset to where if we were to have to wait in line for bread, uh, hypothetically, they have something worth of value? When gold may not really be exchangeable. Obviously, it's cryptocurrency. <laughs> ah, I was going to say guns and ammo, but but okay. I, and I, Damien is more right than Allison is. Yeah. It was uh, a joke. <laughs> right, I know. Crypto is becoming the new gold and uh, silver because it's it's not the dollar, mm-hmm. and dollars are manufactured pieces of paper by the federal government, and the federal government can manipulate how many of these pieces of paper well i you know it it's bits and bytes now it's all right. it's all computer money uh, primarily but it, it it's 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 currency and so the concern is well the, the more the government prints the less valuable it is and that is it, you know that is generally a true statement but it is not it does not necessarily follow 
that because the government prints a lot of money that the dollar will – it's not like a seesaw or a lever where there's a direct correlation, a direct relationship. There are other factors that work on the devaluation of the dollar, that work on inflation in the economy. That is the, the, the amount of debt of the, of the federal government or the amount of printing of money, that is but one lever that can potentially, but not necessarily, lead to devaluation of the currency and, and inflation. So to answer your question, though, Damien, yes, for, for people who are and, and we we talk to them from time to time who are concerned, sort of the the doomsday scenario type of situation, say yeah. they want to hold physical gold and sil- silver because if it all goes to hell tomorrow, then at least I got that. Well, if it all goes to hell, then then you have bigger problems. You know, you cannot. If if the the worst case I can think of is a nuclear attack by a foreign enemy, that you know that would probably be the most disruptive thing that could happen to the U.S. and the world's economy. In that instance, then you could see massive failures of corporations, um, uh, shortages of of, of distribution f- lines, f- food, food goods, everything. Yeah. No one is going to care about your dollars. In that case. If you are truly concerned about that hypothetical doomsday event, what you need to be investing in is land, cattle. Chickens. Chick- chickens are chickens. Sheep. Yeah. Sheep. Pigs. Tra- uh, did I say tractors? Um, and probably some guns and some ammo to protect that because you will be on your own to fend for yourself. That's what... Ultimately, no one is going to care about your gold. No one is going to care about your silver. That will not be available. People want to eat mm-hmm. and survive. Yeah. That will be the bottom line. So whatever you can do, whatever you invest in to eat and survive is what you want to do in those situations. Gold and silver will not do it. So there. All right. Chickens and ammo. <laughs> there you go. Well, let's talk about gold and silver, uh, not as a currency, but as an investment. So we get asked about gold and silver often as you know investments. I think um, if you watch daytime or late night TV, you might be seeing ads, you know, buy gold and as an inflation gold head. after dark. Oh, dear. Oh, Here we go. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I've, I've gotten and, some feedback. don't forget that silver, too, baby. <laughs> yeah. You look good in silver I, after dark. <laughs> Dark, yeah. I've gotten real-time feedback that the after dark is creepy, so <laughs> not sure I, we should continue I, I'm with not that. Sure. Is, is that a bad thing? <laughs> but back to gold and silver as not a currency, but as an investment. So typically you hear, oh, buy gold. Um, it'll protect you in times of inflation. Yes, in times of crisis, the value of gold does spike or does increase. But if you look at the long time horizon, if you look at the past 20, 30 years of what an investment in gold has done, it has barely, mm-hmm. if, kept up with inflation. No, I believe it's less than inflation. I think it is you too. stretch it out to 20, 30 years. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find decades, a 10 year block where it, it has outpaced inflation. And, uh, you know, if at the worst case, like 2008, 2009, when the U.S. stock market was at its nadir, when it was at the bottom, if you took that point and went back 10 years and compared the S&P 500 to the previous 10 years of gold, 
I think you goal would have outperformed at that very small sliver point in time. But overwhelmingly, it is historically bad long-term investment. Right. It doesn't produce anything. It no. doesn't produce any val- any value. So... Um, so we're not not big fans of investing in gold and silver. I mean, we believe in investing in commodities and natural mm-hmm. resources mm-hmm. as a part of a well diversified mm-hmm. portfolio, but not in physical gold or silver. And that should also be the noted the companies mm-hmm. that produce, manufacture, or mine the physical commodities. Those are the ones that have produced the profit that makes the company valuable. The commodities themselves, uh, they're typically too volatile and it's unnecessary for the typical person's investment portfolio. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, 627-7979. If you want to jump in on the conversation, have a question or comment relating to your personal financial situation, we'd love to hear from you. Right now we're going to go up to Yorktown and hear from Diane. Good evening, Diane. You're on Dollars and Common Sense. Hi there. I had a, uh, wanted to just kind of get an idea as far as where – um, I should possibly consider putting some midterm um, investments, uh, maybe five to seven years. Is um, is this money earmarked for anything in particular, or what are you uh, basing your time horizon on? Um, well, I'm thinking about possibly retiring a little bit early, mm-hmm. so um, it would just be um, for you know. I'm thinking about doing an early retirement in about five years. How old will you be at that point, Diane? Um, I would be 55. Okay, 55. And um, what type of um, account is this money in? Are you? Is it a non-qualified account or is it in retirement savings? It's a, it's a non-re- non-retirement account. Non-retirement. Okay. All right. Well, Diane, just know that retirement is not the end. So the idea that you might be five to seven years away from retirement is not the end of your investment time horizon, at least from our perspective. And at, right. and so a most uh, you know, your time horizon is the rest of your life. And hopefully, with good health, that's going to be at least another 30 years past your retirement date. So we would say... Don't try to invest for the medium term. Continue to invest for the long term. And that means a well-balanced, diversified, growth-oriented portfolio of primarily stocks. Well, I already have um, – I have retirement – you know, I've got retirement accounts for from the time that I turned 65 beyond. Um, so what I'm really looking for is um, – the money that's going to get me from the age of, you know, 59, 60 mm-hmm. until 65 when I would be wanting to start pulling on my actual retirement accounts. Yeah, that is a good point, Diane. You do have to plan strategically when you plan an early retirement because you can't necessarily access your retirement accounts without penalty. Um, tra- all, retirement accounts in general, though, can be accessed without penalty by the age of 59 and a half. So you'd likely only be looking at trying to fund years 55 to 59 and a half with um, that bucket of money. 
and it's it's likely that you would be trickling it out right a little bit each month and and yeah. not using it all at once so again investing for growth will actually help you bridge that gap to 59 and a half better than if you were too conservative and you know keeping that money in the bank for example okay so would i would i still be looking at like stocks or is there a better investment considering that i'm not looking at 10 or 15 years worth of growth well you are looking at that long you are just going to start to draw from your stock portfolio and by stocks we mean we it can be stocks individual stocks stocks of individual companies it could be stocks that are in the form of mutual funds it could be the stocks that are in exchange traded funds and it it's there's almost no cost nowadays to uh sell off shares and create the income that you need to spend and live on so you still would be and we would say invest for long term growth and then shave off the shares that you need from your investment vehicle to then create the income that you need to live off of. And when you stretch it, if you have at least a five-year, closer to 10-year time horizon, the odds are overwhelmingly high that you're going to have a lot more money seven to 10 years in the future than you do today if you employ that strategy. And I would add um, just one thing on top of that strategy, though, Diane. I We would typically recommend keeping a higher than normal amount in the bank when you transition to retirement. So normally the general rule of thumb while you're working is three to six months worth of living expenses. But you might want to have a year worth of living expenses in the bank to give you a bush buffer, to give you some flexibility, and then trickle out from the investments on a monthly basis, knowing you have a whole year worth of living expenses in the bank to to fall back on if you needed to. All right. Well, thank you. All right, Diane. Thanks for the call. Yeah, it's a little bit uh, more of a nuanced type of situation um, when you're trying to retire early before the age of withdrawal from your, um, you know, your retirement accounts. And so you've got to kind of make that money work through that phase. But to restate it again, I mean, stay invested for long-term growth. Shave off the shares that you need. We, and this is our bread and butter, by the way. I, as a firm and for our clients, this is our bread, our meat and potatoes, our bread and butter. We, we create this retirement paycheck for our clients out of their investment portfolio and set up an electronic link from their investment account into their bank account and boom on the first the fifth the 15th of every month or whatever day we set up they get a direct deposit right into their bank account just like they were getting with their paycheck except it's their investments now that are pay, are providing that income instead of uh, an employer and as long as you in, remain invested for long-term growth and you are trickling money out of the account, your odds are exceptionally high that with a, a minimum of a five-year hold period, you're going to have more money in the future, depending on your withdrawal rate, of course, but more money in the future than you do today. You might have to – you will have to um, – weather some occasional downturns. But that's why Allison was saying we like to have our clients build up an extra high, uh, 
extra amount in their bank account so that we can reduce or suspend what we're pulling out of the investment accounts if we go through a significant uh, amount of a downturn, then you can purposefully draw down on that overfunded bank account and your lifestyle doesn't miss a beat. And you don't have to overly fixate on what the market is doing on any given day, week, month, or heck, even year sometimes. You just go about your business and live your life. Yes, and I would add that this is just an example of the complexity that's involved with transitioning from the accumulation phase to the distribution phase. So I'm not going to say it's easy because it's not easy to accumulate. You have to make the right decisions all along the way, and um, we can add a lot of value there. But this is where I think it really makes sense to align yourself with a certified financial planner that can help you that can guide you through a comprehensive financial planning process and come up with a distribution plan to give you confidence so that you can see how you are going to live and maintain your current standard of living during that initial period of retirement and well beyond. And if we aren't the right firm for you, you can search for certified financial planners at letsmakeaplan.org or at plannersearch.org. Dot org. That's plannersearch.org or letsmakeaplan.org. And you can search for uh, certified financial planners here in the Hampton Roads listening area. All right, that's all the time we have for tonight. Um, for certified financial planner Allison DeBrill, I'm CFP Kevin Zivna. We're from Wealthway Financial Advisors, the premier financial planning firm in Hampton Roads, where we integrate expert investment management with customized ongoing financial planning advice. For more information about us, you can look us up online at wealthwayadvisors.com. You can also request an information packet to find out what it's like to work with us or sign up for a free quarterly newsletter at wealthwayadvisors.com. Just go to the contact page, put your name and address in there and select the appropriate drop-down menu. And we'll get that information out to you later on this week. And that's all we will use your name and address for is just to send you the information that you request. All right. Well, thanks for listening to Financial Planning After Dark. See what <laughs> happens when they change the clocks. Yep. This you know, is what then, you get. Then you get freaky stuff. <laughs> then we start creepy, making, not freaky. Creepy. creepy. No, I think it was freaky. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> when you, you change the clocks and we have to do the show at nighttime, then all kinds of chaos ensues. <laughs> All right, we're going to be back in two weeks on Tuesday, November 23rd at 6 p.m. as usual live. You might also catch us as a rebroadcast coming up on this Saturday morning. If you're listening to us on Saturday morning, we're not live, but catch us live Tuesday, November 23rd, 6 p.m. We'll see you then. Uh, For Certified Financial Planner Allison DeBrill, I'm CFP Kevin Zivna. You've been listening to Dollars and Common Sense on AM790 WNIS.